Democrats on the Judiciary Committee suggesting today that the president's crimes are punishable by prison time. The lead starts right now. Senator Schumer wants witnesses. President Trump claims he'll do whatever. And Senator McConnell says he's coordinating with Trump. So what will the Senate impeachment trial actually look like as the jurors prepare to consider what Democrats say are federal crimes? President Trump seemingly on edge, likely to become just the third U.S. president in history to have this impeachment stain on his legacy. The polls from the president's favorite channel that have him fuming and tweeting. Plus, Russia's been listening. State TV reporting on Rudy Giuliani's mission in Ukraine and Giuliani making a stunning new admission just out. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin this historic week with the politics lead and Democrats setting the table for the big vote in the House of Representatives this week on whether to impeach President Donald J. Trump. The House Judiciary Committee releasing a new report today accusing President Trump of offenses not specifically laid out in the articles of impeachment, including bribery and wire fraud, and pointing out that those crimes carry sentences of 15 and 20 years in prison, respectively. Now, it's unknown what the impact, if any, that Democratic report will have on Wednesday's vote or the likely and subsequent trial in the Senate, for which Minority Leader Chuck Schumer today outlined the Democratic demands, asking for witnesses who have yet to testify before the American people and documents that have yet to be released. As CNN's Alex Marquardt reports for us now, the White House again is saying President Trump did nothing wrong. Republicans already have a plan to push back on Schumer. And Senate Democrats are saying that the fix is in. Conducting an impeachment trial in the Senate is an enormously weighty and solemn responsibility. The tables are turning as the Senate trial looms. While Republicans will run things, Democrats today trying to push their proposal for what the trial would look like. To engage a trial without the facts coming out is to engage in a cover-up. Which minority leader Chuck Schumer hopes will gain Republican support. Do they want a fair, honest trial that examines all the facts? Or do they want a trial that doesn't let the facts come out? Trials have witnesses. That's what trials are all about. In a letter to Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Schumer called for subpoenas to be issued for four witnesses who have direct knowledge of the Ukraine affair. Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, his deputy Rob Blair, budget office official Michael Duffy, and former National Security Advisor John Bolton, who allegedly called what the president's envoys were doing in Ukraine a drug deal. Each of them will have information to share about the charges made by the House, information that no one has heard at this point. Sources say McConnell does not want witnesses. He's been working in lockstep with the White House counsel on the trial's format. Everything I do during this, I'm coordinating with White House counsel. There will be no difference between the president's position and our position. Enraging Democrats like Schumer, who told CNN there's a difference between discussion and working on the president's behalf. For him to talk uh, to the president is one thing. For him to say, I'm going to do just what the president wants is totally out of line. Schumer hopes to model the trial on Bill Clinton's in 1999. To get his way and have more control on what happens during the trial, Schumer needs at least four Republicans to join Democrats to give them a majority. Seven moderate or retiring Republicans are being targeted, including Utah Senator Mitt Romney, a vocal critic of the president's. 
All this ahead of the full House impeachment vote expected on Wednesday. The Judiciary Committee, which approved the articles of impeachment, issuing their final report overnight, blasting the president for betraying the nation through abuse of power, which Democrats claim includes multiple federal crimes. This is a crime in progress against the Constitution and against American democracy. For the trial, Chuck Schumer also told Mitch McConnell he would be open to Republicans calling their own witnesses who can also testify about Ukraine. That, however, does not include Hunter Biden, Schumer said. He told CNN that the younger Biden would be a distraction. Now, the two Senate leaders have not yet met face to face. A spokesperson for McConnell says that will happen soon. Jake. All right, Alex Marquardt, thanks so much. Now, we should note, as we chew over this with the panel here, uh, Senate Majority Leader McConnell opposes witnesses right now. If you go back to the Clinton impeachment, well, here he is on Larry King back in 1999. There have been 15 impeachments in the history of this country. Two of them were cut short uh, by resignations. In the other 13 impeachments, there were witnesses. It's not unusual to have a witness in, in a trial. It's uh, certainly not unusual to have a witness in an impeachment trial. But, well, the, the House managers have only asked for three witnesses. I think that's uh, pretty modest. We should point out for fairness that Chuck Schumer also had a different position. He <laughs> wants witnesses now and back during the Clinton impeachment. Uh, he did not want witnesses. How, how are these guys explaining this different position? I mean, this is a tactic that happens when senators have been around long enough. Their aides <laughs> dig up old clips, C-SPAN clips of each other on the floor, because especially for um, particular nomination fights, clearly for impeachment proceedings, uh, many senators have taken many different sides. Right now, Chuck Schumer, who since he's kind of been in the focus today with his uh, outline for witnesses and other trial requests, he's explained it away as saying, well, look, the witnesses that I felt were not necessary during the Clinton impeachment trial, they had already testified in the House proceedings. And the four witnesses that he's called for this time around have rebuffed subpoenas or um, calls from House Democrats to testify. He's saying that's the different situation. I'm not sure that argument's going to fly with Republicans who have broadly come around to the consensus that they don't want witnesses to come in the Senate trial for President Trump. But we are watching some of those folks in the middle, like Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, who may feel a little bit differently. And Aisha, what about McConnell flip-flopping on this? He's saying, no witnesses now. I don't want any witnesses. And back then, he's like, bring it on. We need witnesses. This is how it's done. Well, you know, politics. Can you believe it? It's happening in this town. I mean, I, I know that re Republicans, I guess, are going to say that if the that these um, people that Schumer called for, that they could have testified in the House if the Repu if the Democrats had pressed this in court. If they really wanted these people to testify, they should have taken it, uh, taken these matters to court. Of course, Republicans also know that that would have taken a very long time yeah. and, and it would have dragged on and on. Um, I, I think the when you look at the fact of the matter, Republicans don't want to bring any, any more people to testify because that's not going to look great for the president, most likely. It's most likely not in their interest to bring more people to testify. Like. I, is it fair to say that, that's, that what Aisha just said is, is a, a diplomatic uh, and reporterly way of saying that the facts are bad? And the Republicans don't want the facts to come out. Well, of course not. They want this all to go away, right? That's in their interest. But I guess from where I sit, where I stand today, I'm trying to figure out what the Democrats want this trial to be about. Because when we got the first report, the big headlines were abuse of power and um, obstruction of Congress. And now we're throwing around uh, allegations of criminality, talking about the Bribery president going yeah. to jail, possibly. Well, you needed to prove that case. And so this is kind of where I'm stuck. 
right? Because to prove that case, you do need the witnesses that Chuck Schumer is talking about. Okay, so they try to call him up. What happens? They've already defied the House. They're probably just going to try to defy the Senate. So you're really going to push for the court again? And here we go back to the courts. And we're back where we started in the House. And Jen Psaki, uh, in this new report from the House Democrats on the Judiciary Committee, for example, on the wired, wire fraud mm-hmm. statute, which I think carries 20 years in prison, they helpfully uh, remind us, quote, the underlying wire fraud statute requires a transmission by wire, radio or television communication in interstate or foreign commerce, any writings for the purpose of executing a scheme or artifice. And they argue President Trump's July 25th call to Zelensky, as well as the July 26th call to Ambassador Gordon Sondland. Both were foreign wire communications uh, made in furtherance of an ongoing bribery scheme. Uh, is this a good argument? I mean, and if so, why was it not made it in the articles of impeachment? Well, I think what we're playing, seeing play out here is that Chairman Nadler and Chairman Schiff and perhaps uh, Speaker Pelosi have slightly different views about what mm-hmm. the lead should be here. So we have all watched as Chairman Nadler has been a little more forward about impeachment for months. Um, and Chairman Schiff and Speaker Pelosi were, came to it later because of the developments with the whistleblower and the transcript, right? Uh, Chairman Nadler um, is facing a primary opponent in his district. I'm not saying that's the sole driver, but he's overseeing the legal case here. Now, obviously, what the Democrats want to lead with as a whole is what the articles of impeachment are about, uh, which is specific, narrow and focused on Ukraine. But they also see this as a means of putting things on the table that can have legal action in the future. It's not over, regardless of the outcome of impeachment. Um, So I think they're putting this out there for those purposes, too. But I think we'll see uh, 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 Senator Schumer lead more in the direction of what um, Speaker Pelosi and and Chairman Schiff did. And and Sung-Min, a number of these uh, Democrats in seats, uh, congressional seats that President Trump won in 2016 are coming forward. Almost all of them that I've seen saying that they're going to vote for impeachment, which is a great risk to their to their congressional careers. Uh, freshman Democratic Congressman Alyssa Slotkin uh, from Michigan says she's a yes on impeachment. It's a swing district that went for Trump uh, by seven percentage points. Uh, there were some anti-impeachment uh, protests uh, that we saw in, in her home district. It's a precarious position for some of these Democrats. The position could very well be the end of their congressional uh, career. Correct. We've been looking a lot of it, a lot of the national polling in terms of the percentage of the country that favors impeachment. But what Pelosi and Democrats care about are how people feel in those in those really swing districts. But look at some of the uh, Democrats who've come out today saying they will vote to impeach Trump. You know, Joe Cunningham in South Carolina, that's an R plus 10, 10 district. Ben McAdams in Utah, R plus 13. Those are very Republican districts and they are taking a political risk out here um, to lean in and say they will vote to impeach him. They're hoping that they can not only emphasize that that they are a check on the president by voting to impeach him, but also that they can work with him. We're going to see a major trade deal passed later this week by the House. And that's kind of the walk and chew gum message that Democrats hope will work. It's a complicated message. We'll see if it works. Everyone (laughs) stick around. We've got more to talk about. Are Republicans really okay with the president asking foreign leaders to investigate domestic political rivals? We're going to talk to a Republican member of the House Judiciary Committee next. Then a stunning new admission from Rudy Giuliani as we find the Kremlin touting his efforts in Ukraine. Stay with us. And we're back with the politics lead. In less than 48 hours, President Donald Trump could become just the third president in American history to be impeached by the House of Representatives, which would set up a Senate trial in January. Joining me now to discuss is Republican Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So former Republican Governor Tom Ridge, uh, who was the first Homeland Security Secretary for George W. Bush, he said uh, recently, quote, I am disappointed and troubled by the very fact that my president, and he is my president, 
would ask a foreign leader of a troubled country who's been besieged by an enemy of the United States to do him a political favor. As far as I'm concerned, it is abuse of power. Mm. So I know you disagree with him. How is he wrong? How is it not abuse of power? I would tell Tom Ridge and anybody else that they can't look at this in isolation. You have to look at the full context. And of course, what matters here is the actual record. The president didn't ask for Zelensky to do him a favor. He said, do us a favor. And that's a very important word. It was obscured a number of times in the judiciary hearing uh, the 14-hour marathon hearing we had. We had to correct the record over and over. The context is that he was making sure that the precious treasure of American taxpayers was not to be misspent overseas. And that, that full context is that Ukraine is widely regarded to be the third most corrupt nation in the world. So he wanted to make sure that this would be done right, that if Zelensky, who ran as a swamp drainer, so to speak, and you mm-hmm. to clean up the corruption, if he was really legitimate. And ultimately, the president concluded that he was, and then the aid was released. So... All right. Just so we're clear, though, this would set a precedent where a president uh, with some sort of uh, preceding information could be okay. It would be okay with you, with that president, a Democratic president even, asking a foreign leader to investigate a domestic political rival. Elizabeth Warren says, hey, China, the Kushners, there's questions about their dealings with visas. Or, hey, Azerbaijan, there's questions about the Trump Tower there. Hey, Turkey, there's questions about the Trump Tower there. Uh, as long as there's some sort of predicate, that's okay with you. No, that's not what I said. I said you have to look at the whole context. And in this context... But there's corruption in Turkey and Azerbaijan and China. There is, but specifically what the president was talking about is not getting dirt on his political rival for 2020. That never came up in any of these conversations. He said Joe Biden. He said Joe Biden, but he's referring to the events of 2016, which he's always been bothered by, and everybody can see the record of it because he tweets about it all the time. For years, he's been talking about... His concern about the 2016 elections. He never, he never said anything about Joe Biden when he was running as a candidate. He never said anything. I mean, Hunter Biden took that contract with Burisma in 2014. Right. The first time we hear President Trump talk about this is like last year. Well, you haven't seen the transcripts of all his calls either. I mean, he's been concerned and has talked about it consistently about how he feels like the, the election was... Uh, there was there was meddling. There was there was an effort by foreigners to go against him. Everybody thought 2016 was messed up on both sides of the aisle. That's what was in his mind. And, you know, as a lawyer, we've got to look at the mens rea, the intent behind the supposed offender. What do, what was in President Trump's mind? And I think the, the transcript is very clear. And I think the evidence has come out since shows Zelensky said very clearly he didn't feel any pressure. He, there was no pressure that he felt. They didn't even know that the, the aid was being delivered. That's not true. It came out in testimony. A Pentagon official said on July 25th, they got a message from the Ukrainians. Where is the military aid? Right. July 25th, the same day as the phone call. But which Ukrainians? You've got to remember the Zelensky. Government, the, the government okay. of Ukraine. The yeah, Zelensky's the deep state in Ukraine. Okay. This no, is not just the government of Ukraine wanted to know where the aid was. The fact is Zelensky was a reformer who came in. He was kind of railing against the establishment in Ukraine. They have their own set of circumstances like we do. And there were some people within, this is our understanding from the transcript and the evidence, there were some people within the administration who didn't necessarily have Zelensky's best interest in mind because he was going to drain the swamp. All those details are important. You have to look at the facts and not little bits of it in isolation. It's the whole record that's important. I guess one of the questions is President Trump uh, took office in January 2017 and at no point did he pressure that we know of Did he pressure President Poroshenko, then the president of Ukraine, Mm -hmm. throughout 2018? Doesn't pressure Poroshenko. All of a sudden, Joe Biden announces that he's running for president in April of this year. And then in July, he's pressuring uh, Ukraine to look. And look, let's run this down because it is specific to the Ukraine. It's not about I want you to get rid of corruption. Any Americans. This is President Trump. 
in, on October 3rd asked, what did you want from Zelensky in that phone call? Let's just run that sound. I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. It's a very simple answer. It's not an investigation into Burisma. It's not an investigation into corruption. It's an investigation into Biden, the leading Democratic candidate running against him. Yeah, in that clip, it is. But again, what's the full context? Now, now look, we can go back through all of the president's tweets over the last... Since before he ran for president, he's been his priority is America first. And what he has meant by that, what he's articulated so many times since, is he wants to make sure that we're not squandering our dollars overseas. He's worried about NATO partners not doing their fair share, as he says. He doesn't want our taxpayer dollars being squandered. He sees Ukraine as, a, as the number, third, number three most corrupt nation in the world. And he knows that the Bidens have a lot. There's something really fishy about that Burisma thing. And everybody objectively has to acknowledge that. There's so many countries full of corruption. And we've never heard President Trump talk about any of them. Netanyahu in Israel, he's in trouble with the law there, literally. Egypt, billions of dollars going to Egypt. Al-Sisi, an incredibly corrupt government. China, Saudi Arabia. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you're asking us to believe that this is a man who's really concerned about uh, corruption abroad. And not only that, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When you look at President Trump right now, uh, his former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, uh, his former national security advisor, Mike Flynn, his former deputy campaign chair, Rick Gates, his former associate, George Papadopoulos, his former campaign advisor, Roger Stone, all of them have been convicted of federal crimes. In addition, Trump University settled a $25 million fraud lawsuit Last year, last month, President Trump admitted misusing, misusing his own charitable foundation's money. He was ordered to pay $2 million. You really want the American people to believe that this guy cares about corruption? I, I do. I mean, you take him at his own word, what he said. Look what, at the record. Uh, I, that's what I'm saying is look at the record. And when you're talking about impeachable offenses, OK, we did a 14 hour hearing last week. They had all these hearings down in the basement. They haven't presented any direct evidence to show that the president was involved in any crime. Now, you, you were talking earlier about the three previous impeachments in American history. In each one of those, there were specific criminal acts that there was a, a mountains of evidence to prove had been committed. We don't have that here. And, and our ultimate concern, Jake, is that the founders are very specific in warning against a single-party impeachment because they knew that it would divide the country. They knew that people would go to their corners and it may be well, they didn't want damage to the you, republic. You know this as a historian, uh, amateur historian, that they didn't want parties at all. I mean, they, they were very Washington wary. warned against it in his farewell. Yeah, but, they didn't want, but you talk about witnesses. Gordon Sondland testified before Congress about the big question, was there a quid pro quo? Did the Ukrainians have to make announcements of these investigations, political investigations, one, I mean, the ones that indisputably would help the president politically, whatever the reason behind them, mm -hmm. political investigations in exchange for a meeting yeah. uh, with the president, which, which Zelensky desperately wanted to show the Ukrainians he was serious and to show the Russians he was serious. Here's Gordon Sondland making that point before the House Intelligence Committee. Mm -hmm. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. There's a, that's a first-person witness. He it had is. conversations with President Trump. There was a quid pro quo, he said. Right. But the rest of the context, again, is that that is based on his conjecture, speculation, his assumption, right? The direct evidence in the record is he said he asked the president on the telephone September 9th, I think it was, what do you want from Ukraine? The president famously said, I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. I want Zelensky to do the right thing. Again, right. He wanted to ensure that Zelensky would be the reformer to clean that up so that if we're going to spend our precious 
taxpayer dollars over there. They're going to be spent well. And of course, the aid did go forward. After there was never been an investigation. After the whistleblower came forward, the aid was released. And yes, President Trump, according to Gordon Sondland, did say no quid pro quo, no quid pro quo. I don't want anything from Zelensky. This is after it had been raised in public whether or not this was a quid pro yeah, quo. So you can that. Yeah. And then Sondland was asked, and this is not as noticed, he was asked, did you believe President Trump? Let's roll that sound. And you believe the president, correct? You know what? I'm not going to characterize whether I believed or didn't believe. I was just trying to convey what he said on the phone. Seems like it would be a pretty simple answer if he believed that President Trump actually meant it. Well, it should, and maybe he should have answered it directly. But, you know, we have Sondland's testimony. What we said in the House Judiciary Committee was you have to take the full Sondland. You have to take all Sondland. You yeah. can take little pieces of it. I am. It, right? I'm taking the full Sondland. And the only direct evidence about the president's mens rea, his intent, is what he said on that phone call, the one that I just quoted to you. And that, that's the, the problem that the Democrats had. They, they promised an impeachment by Christmas, and that's why we're having this conversation right now. What they should have done is, for example, on the obstruction of Congress uh, article, they should have just gone to the third branch of the government, the judiciary. That's how it's always been resolved. When you have a, uh, an impasse between the legislative and, and judicial branch and executive branches, you go to the third branch and you get it resolved. They didn't if have there, time for that. If there is nothing there, if it's all innocent, if all the information that Mulvaney, who has already also said that there was a quid pro quo, uh, military aid held back in part for... Uh, this investigation into this wild conspiracy theory that you've never espoused about Ukraine interfering in the 2016 election. If, if there was nothing there, why not just let Mulvaney come forward? Why not just let John Bolton come forward? Why even fight it if, there's, if it's all innocent, like you say? I'll tell you why. Because Adam Schiff engineered this process in the basement, this totally unprecedented, what we call a fraudulent process. He was having secret hearings in the basement. Look, I'm, I'm the Which Republicans here. participated in. No, but not, not the ones with jurisdiction. I'm on House Judiciary. We're the committee with jurisdiction. I'm the ranking member of the Constitution subcommittee. As we sit here this afternoon... I'm still not privy to all the evidence they gathered in that basement. Why is that? Is because you're not on the Intelligence to... Committee? Right, but that is the, the well, relevant... That's an important no, point. No, but that's the relevant evidence that they're bringing forward supposedly to justify an impeachment. This is an unprecedented process. The president did not want to submit to a fishing expedition. And by the way, all previous administrations took the same position. Barack Obama, during the Fast and Furious investigation, he didn't submit everything Congress had. Not everything, but he submitted some documents... This president has submitted no documents, literally zero. Actually, not, not true. When the impeachment investigation began, they submitted 100,000 documents. He said 25 members of his administration testify before the Intel Committee, Oversight Committee, this, this uh, Congress. This year, he said 20 in judiciary. I mean, he, he has wanted to cooperate. But when it came to this issue, and when Democrats like Adam Schiff went out and telegraphed what they were going to do, and by the way, 95 House Democrats voted to impeach the president before July of this year, before any of the facts that you and I are talking about even developed, it was already, it was already decided. They predetermined this political outcome. Oh, so this I mean, was clear to the president. Why would you? You wouldn't have submitted to that. We could probably talk for another hour. We Con could. Congressman Mike Johnson, it's good to see you again. You Thank you so much for being here. If I don't see you, Merry Christmas. You too. The impact of impeachment up next, how some Republicans are dealing with their vote and ignoring their own advice. Stay with us. And we're back with the politics lead. 31 House Democrats represent congressional districts that President Trump won in 2016. And for them, a decision on impeachment may carry with it their congressional career. But what about House Republicans in swing districts? How are they making their decisions? While many in the political world are focusing on House Democrats in swing districts and how they may vote on impeachment. I just don't agree with this. I, I just, you know, 
Yes. So I will be voting yes on obstruction. Less focus is being given to House Republicans from purple districts and how they might vote. The reason? As of now, Republicans appear united against impeachment. The Republicans have never been so united as they are right now, ever. In order to justify that position, many Republicans simply deny reality, as seen here by Congresswoman Debbie Lesko of Arizona. Why is it ever okay for, for an American president to ask a foreign power to investigate a political rival? Why do you think that's okay? He sure did do that. Trump himself has said he asked Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. If they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Bidens. Denying facts and evidence has become the rule of the day. Ukrainians third didn't know that the aid was held up at the time of the phone call. Congressman Jordan of Ohio making that claim despite this testimony from a Pentagon official. A member of my staff got a question from a Ukraine embassy contact asking what was going on with Ukraine security assistance. It may be difficult for the public to imagine these same Republicans tolerating these same offenses from a Democratic president. And that was the task laid out in 1974 by Illinois Republican Congressman Robert McClory, who initially supported President Nixon and then changed his mind. I've heard it said by some that they cannot understand how a Republican could vote to impeach a Republican president. I cannot and do not envision my role in that dim light. I'm Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. Then House Floor Manager Lindsey Graham asked the same basic question during the Clinton impeachment in 1998. If a Republican president had done these things, would a Republican delegation gone to tell him to get out of town? I hope so. Flash forward 21 years and Senator Lindsey Graham got his answer. I am trying to give a pretty clear signal. I have made up my mind. <laughs> I, I'm not I, I trying wasn't to pretend in any doubt to be a fair juror here. Coming up, a new admission by Rudy Giuliani raising red flags today about his continuing efforts to dig up dirt on the Bidens. Up next, how his moves are music to Putin's ears. In our politics lead today, President Trump today called his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, the greatest crime fighter. But as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports from the White House, it's investigations Giuliani pushed for that led to President Trump's pending impeachment, which is clearly dominating Mr. Trump's mind right now. We're very strong in our second. Two days away from likely becoming the third president to be impeached, President Trump is defiant and defending his attorney. He sees all of the hoax that happens when they talk about impeachment hoax or the Russian collusion delusion. And he sees it, and he's a, uh, he's a great gentleman, and he was, again, the greatest mayor in the history of New York and probably the greatest crime fighter in the last 50 years. Most of his grievances are being aired on Twitter, where he fired off dozens of tweets this morning alone and many more over the weekend, including one jab where he falsely claimed Speaker Pelosi's teeth were falling out of her mouth as she answered questions on the articles of impeachment. You yourself accused him of bribery. Why did you decide not to make bribery one of the articles of impeachment? I myself am not a lawyer. Sometimes I act like one. In the clip, Pelosi's speech is uninterrupted and her office isn't commenting on the president's tweet for now. The president also had his eye on a new poll from Fox News, which shows 50 percent of registered voters want him impeached and removed from office, while 41 percent oppose impeaching him altogether. 
Support for impeachment hasn't grown as Congress has conducted its hearings. But according to the poll, it hasn't shrunk either. Other numbers could also prove troubling for Trump. 53% of those surveyed believed he abused the power of his office. 48% think he obstructed Congress. And 45% say he committed bribery. As he often does with numbers he doesn't like, the president dismissed the poll as inaccurate and weighted toward Democrats. White House aides say impeachment is weighing on Trump. Was this difficult? Of course it is. And Pam Bondi is the former Florida attorney general who Trump brought in in wake of impeachment. And she defended the White House's close coordination with the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in shaping the trial. The president deserves to be heard. We should be working hand in hand with them. Now, Jake, you remember that trip that Rudy Giuliani made to Ukraine last week where he told The Wall Street Journal that he got more information than the president could imagine? Today, when the president was asked what had Rudy Giuliani told him about the trip, he said, quote, not much. One also wonders how much of that information was uh, accurate. Uh, Caitlin Collins, thank you so much. Appreciate it. In our world lead today, Rudy Giuliani has given the clearest admission yet that he worked to get then U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich removed from her position because she was hurting his, quote, investigation into the Bidens. Giuliani telling The New Yorker, quote, I believe that I needed Yovanovitch out of the way. She was going to make the investigations difficult for everybody, unquote. And as CNN's Frederick Plykin now reports, Rudy Giuliani's self-proclaimed fact-finding mission is being condemned today by anti-corruption activists in Ukraine, and it's being applauded by the Kremlin. Rudy Giuliani's continued efforts to dig up dirt on the Bidens in Ukraine are disgusting some anti-corruption groups in that country. It's not search for truth. It's actually uh, continued spreading disinformation in the best tradition of, uh, of, of Kremlin. And it's music to the ears of Putin-controlled TV in Russia, who are eager to paint themselves as innocent, despite the U.S. intelligence community's conclusions about Russian election interference in 2016. It turns out the State Department is wired to remove Trump's power and to stop the case of corrupt Biden from being investigated, as Giuliani says. Giuliani, who spoke with Trump last week after returning from a supposed fact-finding mission to Ukraine and other Eastern European countries, tweeted this weekend a string of clips from pro-Trump right-wing media outlet OAN, claiming to lay out his findings, which he says prove fraud by the energy company Burisma, which employed Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and alleges that then-Vice President Joe Biden had the Ukrainian prosecutor general investigating the case, Viktor Shokin, fired. He will testify that he was investigating Biden's son. He will show you the documents to prove he was investigating Biden's son. There is no evidence that Biden did anything wrong, and Giuliani is also refusing to acknowledge the clamor by European and American leaders alike at the time for Shokin to be fired due to his alleged corruption. Ukraine's main anti-corruption action group, ANTAC, which has also been in Giuliani's crosshairs, tells CNN there was broad consensus that Shokin was ineffective and provided us with documents apparently showing that he actually hindered large parts of the investigation into Burisma. Under his leadership, prosecution is not reforming, and actually 
he is blocking the attempts to do the reforms and to perform proper investigations. Antak says the same goes for Ukraine's next prosecutor general, Yuri Lutsenko, another one of Rudolf Giuliani's proclaimed witnesses. Neither Shokin nor Lutsenko replied to CNN's efforts to contact them. Giuliani continues surrounding him with the most notorious corrupt um, people in Ukraine with bad reputation who are helping to feed uh, this disinformation. And Kremlin-controlled media is clearly gobbling up the message, portraying America as weak and Ukraine in disarray, but President Trump as the winner. Yeah, Jake, and Kremlin media was really having a field day with that all day. But those anti-corruption agencies there in Ukraine really very much saying that all this is having a chilling effect. Some of the things that Rudy Giuliani is doing, a chilling effect on some of their efforts to promote transparency in their country. Jake. Fred Plakin in Moscow, thank you so much. With the full House impeachment vote less than 48 hours away, President Trump is hitting a dubious mark. What's he done this year more than the last two years combined? Stay with us. In our politics lead, the Washington Post fact-checking team declaring today President Trump has now made more false and misleading claims this year, 2019, than in 2017 and 2018 combined. Another sign of President Trump's current mood, his tweets. More than 50 tweets and retweets today attacking the Democrats leading impeachment, attacking the Bidens, attacking the media, the FBI, and on and on and on. Um, so, Sungmin, there's no indication the Senate's going to convict President Trump. So why is he apparently freaking out? Like, what's the big deal? He's safe. The Senate's not going to do anything. Well, that's also true. But he's also going to have a pretty uh, black marker on his on his political history, on his place in U.S. history, when he almost certainly on Wednesday will become the third U.S. president to become impeached. That is something, even if he does escape this, goes the goes the route of Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton and does uh, get acquitted in the Senate, this is a marker that no U.S. president wants. And I think that is very cognizant in his in his mind right now. But also he's making he's making his public case. I mean, he is, you know, targeting Democrats in those Trump districts who uh, could face political backlash. He's urging the party to stay together, hang together, in, in the in the coming Senate trial. So a lot of this is messaging. A lot of this is um, preparing his ranks for uh, next month. But clearly a lot on his mind uh, lately, especially in his Twitter account. And on top of the new impeachment polls, Fox News uh, also asked voters about President Trump's behavior. 53 percent said the president abused the power of his office. 50 percent say he obstructed justice. 45 percent said he committed bribery. I mean, those are pretty big uh, numbers. I would think, Amanda, that that's probably fairly upsetting uh, as well to have almost half, half, a majority of the country, depending on the, the question, thinking that the president has actually carried out uh, illegal deeds. Yeah, for a man who loves polls, you think that would be a wake-up call. I think it was a wake-up call to some of the hosts in that network. Um, but when it comes to his tweeting, I mean, can he tweet any harder? Can he scream any louder? I don't think it's making a difference. I mean, he can't keep making the argument over and over again. It's not getting him anywhere, as evidenced by that very poll. I want to ask you about Rudy Giuliani, because Giuliani, you'd think at this point... Maybe they would bring it back and like, okay, Rudy, go, you know, please just like calm it down. No, he goes to Ukraine. He's upsetting. You saw in Fred Plykin's piece, he's upsetting anti-corruption Ukrainian activists. Uh, And now he's back sharing his, you know, his documents that he's uncovered that he got from 
two former prosecutors that are widely perceived to be corrupt themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes to this question of, like, what is the end game here? But President Trump, I guess today, maybe he was a little bit more hesitant about talking about what Giuliani had found, but he was kind of cheerleading this. And it's like, what do they expect to get from this? Uh, they, It seems that the president truly believes, or he wants to be not just, he doesn't want the Senate just to acquit him. He wants to come back and say that he has been completely vindicated. And you know what? It wasn't me that was corrupt. It is Biden. Biden is corrupt. And if he can prove that, then that makes everything okay. I don't think it actually works that way. But in the president going to his tweets, I went through his tweets for a big project over the summer. And even before impeachment, you know, you know, I like it's a dark like place. A little punishment. But <laughs> but no, even before impeachment, he had been tweeting even more like just darkly and just like really going after uh, lawmakers in a really visceral way. Like there was a difference even before impeachment happened. So it's not really clear like what's going on or whether he was just getting worked up at, at the end of the Mueller investigation. But this has been an ongoing trend for him for the last few months. And, and Jen Saka, we've, we've seen some really strange behavior, obviously. It's so much of it that we mm-hmm. can't even get to all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, making fun of the emotional displays of a, a teenage girl with, yeah. with uh, Asperger's making fun of Nancy Pelosi's uh, dentures. He just uh, shared some tweet from Rudy Giuliani. Uh, you know, let, let's, let's bring one up. Sources telling CNN that the two men on Friday after Giuliani returned from Ukraine, among the claims Giuliani's making that former Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin has proof of money laundering by Burisma and the Bidens and that he, he says he was poisoned and he died twice and is now back. This is Rudy, This is the president's lawyer. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's like... All you can say sometimes. Uh, Look, I think President Trump, obviously his followers or his supporters are holding tight with him. Mm -hmm. But also if you look at the polling, it's not just among... Um, you know, the public at large. It's also independents who have moved over the last couple of months to support impeachment, think he did something wrong. Democrats are united. He has to be thinking about that as well. Uh, so that's why I think it's becoming a little more frenetic and insane in the All last right. few weeks. <laughs> he died twice. Uh, l- l- I'm still stuck on that. Everyone stick around. Thanks so much. Uh, coming up, uh, maybe we can talk it out. The United States is reaching out to North Korea to try to ease the growing tension. Stay with us. Well, that's all the time we have. I don't know what happened at the time. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Jake Tapper. Tweet the show with the lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.